been drinking pumpkin spice lattes for the past two weeks and it's just became fall or alcohol by volume when you're continuing to make tropical drinks and refusing to recognize the fact that fall is here that's me i think i'm fran (laughs) i think i'm fran uh i'm fran actually and i think i'm tough as nails but i'm really just a hooker with a heart of gold and i'm claire and i'm the nosiest bitch you'll ever meet and I refuse to admit that summer's over. Like, it's going to be over 100 next week. Summer's going to be so nice. I think right? it might be one of our last big hot pushes, though, to be honest. Okay, well, keep that opinion to yourself, please. All right, well, tell us, you, you non-basic bitch, about our drink this week. Okay, well, this is kind of a basic bitch cocktail, because in the past, like, 10 years, being an RBG fan definitely has become very like trendy or of the moment. Um, So to honor um, RBG's passing, she was a trailblazer. She's done so much um, for women, especially I made the cocktail in her honor this year. So this year, this episode, so Mm -hmm. RBG rum, banana liqueur and grenadine add some coconut cream, ice, blend it up. I, Wait, I know like she, Malibu rum in this, or are we doing just like whatever rum you got on hand? Yeah, I think Malibu would probably be the best in this. Um, I, I know Jewish people don't necessarily believe in an afterlife, but I like to see RBG um, on November 4th drinking this drink and celebrating that Joe Biden won. And I'm going to say something for that. What? That's just what I'm envisioning. Uh, I think this drink is either going to be really good, like the new lava flow, right? Oh, yes. Or it's going to be really fucking gross with grenadine and banana liqueur. You have to get the um, proportions correct. And I really think this is like the political version of a lava flow. Okay. Okay? I would like you to make it for me. Next week, I'll make it for you. Uh, I mean, I think if people do not like banana liqueur, they're not going to like this drink. Just a thought. Maybe, but grenadine and coconut could kind of cover it up too a little, you know? Did you, um, do you follow anyone who was posting about like how they felt that it was problematic, how much we were celebrating RBG? Well, I mean, I saw a lot of things. Uh, I, I saw the problematic thing. I mean, I think people aren't perfect. No one's perfect, especially someone who's been around for 87 years. Um, I guess that was kind of my thought where it's like, can we not celebrate anyone anymore? That, I mean, isn't that our culture just to pick everyone apart and be yeah. so critical? Yeah. Um, I, also, I also think, uh, I mean, what was the craziest thing is how, you know, how much pressure she's had on her to stay alive oh. and on the court for this whole time and how that really shows us how unhealthy our democracy is right now. And, and then to see all this back and forth it just, with um, whether he's going to nominate someone and it, whether the Senate's going to push it through. Have you looked at any of his uh, nominations, especially the front runner? 
Yes. It's terrifying. Like, I don't have the correct words right now. I listened to this one podcast that kind of explored like how lifetime nominations are problematic and how they actually, how stuff like this, like someone dying and when that person dies, because most, most, um, what's creepy to me is most, most of these judges stay on the court until they die. Not, they don't retire when they're 75 or whatever. They literally like the last couple ones have all died in office. Um, and so they just said that it's problematic to have lifetime assignments because then the timing of someone's death dictates how the court is going to, um, be balanced out in terms of conservatives and that, that doesn't seem, it almost seems like kind of luck of the draw. kind of seems kind of stupid. It also feels very like, um, in a way, because they, the Supreme Court holds such sway over the way our nation like looks and, and how laws are interpreted. It feels so archaic, like a monarchy, like who, it's not, it's just not a function of a democracy in my opinion. Like, with the changing of the times, these positions should also change, right? Like, and what do you, I mean, and I also think, like, I don't think it should be nominated by the president. Like, don't you think it should be us? We should be, they're supposed to be representing us. I just think any lifetime appointment is, to me, archaic. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And it it doesn't seem to, um, to me, if you look at, like, our how much America upholds its democracy. It's just not a democratic process. It doesn't make right. sense. Right. So there's that. Agreed. Okay, well, let's move on. Let's move on. Get off of our uh, wannabe high horses over here. Um, this week was a good week for the most part. I had a pretty good week. Uh, on Saturday, I got to finally teach my, my evening ride. My Oh yeah. I would say that was probably my rose. Although we had a good week. No, don't steal my rose. Oh, your rose going to be our trip. Okay. Don't steal my rose. But that was just overall, it was like a real, it felt, um, it was probably the most normal weekend I've had in a long time. It was nice to be outside, right? I I know. And just to get to like, to do an evening ride like that. Like it felt like such a party, like, you, you know, we're up on the roof, you know, we're like the twinkling lights of Sacramento. We had glow sticks. You got to dress up. Like it just that felt sounds amazing. It was like a real, Did you guys do drinks afterward or anything. So yeah, we were supposed to meet for drinks. And of course I had to go home and check on the baby and relieve my mom. Cause my mom was over to help Brian. And the minute I put my key in that fucking lock, Oh, that baby started crying. I'm like, okay, like he just, it's going to be like a dream feed and then I can bounce. But I, I mentioned it on the show last week. He's definitely in like a really fussy period. And I'd say my thorn is that he's just been needing lots of comforts. And so I've been having to like hold him pretty much all day or someone right. can hold him if it's not me, but sleeping has been pretty much since that Saturday night, like, I'm having to hold him for a lot of his sleep right now. And I'm waiting to start sleep training until we're back from our vacation. Cause it doesn't make sense to start before we go and have him crying in a hotel. Oh, no, no. So I'm just like kind of trying to wait it out, but I got stuck. Like every time I moved that motherfucker would wake up and start wailing again. Oh, that sucks. So I got, it was like 10 45 before I was able to put him down. 
and I texted the girls and I was like, I just don't have it in me to, yeah. to leave my home. Like I was so exhausted. So that's my thorn of the week. <laughs> he's a sweet boy, but he's, he's just very needy right now. And it's, yeah. uh, it's, I forgot, um, how taxing that is. Like at the end of the day, how much I don't even want to be touched by people. Cause I just have, uh-huh. I'm on touch overload between the baby and then casual when he gets home, he wants to, you know, play around and hold me and hug me. And it's just so much fucking touch. It really is. At the end of the day, I'm just like, you know, Brian and I have like a king size bed and I'm on the other side of the bed. Like, <laughs> like stay the fuck away from me. Like poor Sachi even like tried to cook oh. last night. And I'm like, no, bitch, I don't want to yeah. cuddle with you right now. I just want to be left alone for like five minutes. I'm with yeah. you there. That's my thorn. What about you? Um, well, I had a good week too. My rose, which you're a part of, is we just had like such a lovely morning on Sunday morning. Um, me, Reed, Remy met my mom, Fran, and Cash at Thunderland. And so they're open right now and you have to make reservations. And we had 10 a.m. reservations, which I felt like was perfect nice. because there was no, basically nobody there. We left at noon and that's when more people started getting there. Agreed. But so the whole time we were there, we really didn't have to stand in line that long. Uh, a lot of times we were the only people on a ride. It felt so safe. Uh, Claire and Diane made me go on every twirly ride with these kids. Yes. So Reed is like, Reed wants to go on every single ride he's able to go on. Um, and normally Matt's the one who has to go on those rides with him. But since Fran was there, Fran got to ride the roller coaster. She got to ride the, what are those called? The teacups. That was the worst. I haven't been on teacups. I get motion sickness. And so. Yeah. Why are you going on the teacups? Because they wanted to go and I didn't want to be like, no, I'm not going to go with you. So I just set yeah. up. I mean, I definitely got, when I got home at 12, <laughs> I was like, I need a minute. <laughs> like I was, I was like, definitely <laughs> seasick. You know what did it to me was that yeah. stupid fucking wannabe sleigh ride that read. Yeah. That cash- one went really fast. So awful. Honestly, it was terrible. That one was, but it was just so, favorite. it was just so nice. Like now you buy um, when you pay for admission, it's just like unlimited. And so you could go on everything. It's just, it was and so it's nice. Cheaper. It's actually cheaper now. I know it ends up being cheaper. Oh. Um, but the kids all, every single kid had such a blast. Remy, what was so funny is like Remy was like really taking in Thunderland for the first hour and a half. And he like, wasn't even being himself, just being very quiet. And then finally, when you were doing that, um, crazy ride with Reed, he started dancing around and like being himself, but I think he was like a little bit overwhelmed. Um, we had to stop like two rides for him (laughs) because he was upset, which they were, the employees there were so nice about it. Um, he's not the only one. So they get it. Oh yeah. So he's, but he's like, right now he's at a stage that's like the opposite of Reed. Like Reed would go literally on any single ride. Um, and, but it was just so fun. And then afterward we went over to the horse rides and a horse ride or no. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So we the horse ride was actually more crowded than Thunderland, but we got in and Reed picked out the biggest horse there, which was like a huge horse. And then Remy picked out the one called Itty Bitty, who was so cute. Mini horse. And they uh Remy did fine. He just had to hold my hand and while I walked next to him. And 
he was, I think he was really like mesmerized that he was on top of a horse. And then Reed was just like so fucking happy. So Reed would like we got to, to walk away on his own, I think. Without oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He would have like galloped. He, he told me he galloped when he got back. I'm like, oh, good. But that. it was just like one of those mornings where like the kids just were so cute. And it was just, it was so nice to be out and doing something fun. And like, it's really nice to see your mom. I haven't seen your mom probably for like eight months. No joke. Yes. Oh, literally. Oh, Since, yeah, before before the pandemic. This is the first time we've seen the holidays. Her. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So, and then my, my thorn, you're going to fucking die at this. I haven't told you Oh, this. you actually have a thorn this week, huh? I have a thorn. It's, it's, could, it, this could go into a YM most embarrassing moment column. Okay. Okay. So on Monday morning, I was at my client's house, like supervising an art installation and, um, so I was sitting in the room with the two art installers and I was sitting on a white leather chair <sighs> and I got up to go to the bathroom. And when I went to the bathroom, I noticed that I had bled. I, I had my period. I knew I had my period. I had bled through my underwear and my pants. <sighs> and then, so I like cleaned myself up and then like in my head, I'm like, oh my God, I was sitting on a white leather chair. So I, I like walk back to the room and there's blood on like the white leather chair. Yeah. So I had to like quickly lick my fingers and try to, and, and the blood came off. Thank God. Um, thank but God. can you imagine if it was like a beautiful upholstered chair? Like I would have had to tell my client, like I would have had to been like, where's your stuff? You know, your, your stain stuff. But what if you it's just like paid for a new fucking chair. Oh my God. I would have, I would have. But um, it's just like, I'm 37 years old and I still bleed through. Why don't you buy those underwear? I, so what's ironic is the night before I had purchased three pairs of expensive underwear. Um, I, hopefully they're going to be in a shit we like coming up in a month or so once I get used to them. I hope, I can't wait to, I'm, I've been waiting for someone I know to buy them. Yes, right? I actually have my period again. I can confidently yeah. buy them because I'm so sick of fucking tampons. I well, tampons. and I will say that I, um, I have like on the whole been trying to move away from single use plastic and, um, and paper products. And so this is something where when you think about how much waste we create just from our periods in the course of our lifetime that this is a really nasty chemicals are in that shit too yeah but in our bodies or near our bodies or whatever it's just another thing that poor women have to deal with and endure in my opinion i know i know i really hope these underwear work please i hope me too I'll, i'll keep you guys updated for sure duh All right, let's talk about some news this week. Um, I came across an interesting article in The Atlantic. Mm -hmm. I was intrigued by it because it talks about triad parenting. Have you heard of triad parenting? No, but I love the idea already. So this, it's called The Rise of the Three-Parent Family. It's from The Atlantic. Um, and the main individual in the article is a, is a man named David J and he is the founder of the asexual movement and he, um, 
knew he wanted a family. Like the, the whole idea behind this was that he knew he wanted a family, even though he didn't romantically want to, to have like a partner like that. Like he's like, I've had friends, I've had great connections with, and they've been lifelong connections. Like he said, he'd made, um, he had like a best girlfriend that he'd made. Oh Jesus. I need to shut that window. That's really loud. Uh, it's garbage day at my house, apparently in case anyone wanted to know. he'd like made like lifelong connections with people and he he's like the godparents to several children and that's how like the strong those relationships were but that i gotta shut that window this is fucking awful Hold on. Jesus. this recording studio sucks <laughs> your fancy recording recording studio my bedroom um but that he, and, and, and having those connections made him realize how much he wanted a family, but he knew he would never be romantically involved with someone in order to create like a two-parent household, right? Right. Um, and he was never going to have a sexual relationship with someone for that to progress and move forward to that point. He's like, I'd had sex. Sex is not for me. I'm asexual. You know, end of story. So this article talks about how he'd explored the idea of seeking out people that were married so and he said preferably for the adoption process it's two heterosexual partners or or people that are are married um, because that looks better in the adoption process and then he would formally adopt their child that they had together and so you have to find this balance of two people that also want to have another person in their lives and then you know sometimes in their homes um that's not the case in every relationship in this article the three of them don't always live together but that you are taking on this idea of like uh like a village really raising your kid that there's more Uh than that that typical structure of a mom and a dad or even a two you know a a same-sex couple raising a kid right Um, so he he made friends with um these two individuals and they liked the idea of having another person there to love and support their, their child. And so he was able to formally adopt their child and he is an additional father, an additional parent to this kid. He doesn't live with, um, live with the three of them, but he does have custody of that. You know, it's his, it's his child. It's his adopted child. She lives with him sometimes. She lives with her her parents, her uh, biological parents sometimes, but they are all, you know, she calls them all mom and dad. So two dads and one mom. And what the article also talks about is kind of like the, because of, especially in America, our shitty economics, you know, there's, most families are not traditional two-parent household families anyways, right? Like usually there's an aunt helping to raise a kid or a grandparent raising a kid. Um, so triad adoptions or three parent households are becoming more and more common in our country. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. That what is you- really interesting. I kind of I mean, love the idea of this. Can someone else too? This is the thing. I have always said from the beginning, like I would love to live on a commune somewhere where we all like share parenting and feeding and all that kind of you know what I mean like I I, ideally in my head it would be like 
four or five different family units where we all share. And I, re and I read an article about it once in, in Berkeley where they bought four houses that all butted up against each other and took out the fences or something. That's really cool. Because I think raising children is so much work. And I think it's really hard for two people. Like, can you imagine, um, like, every few days getting a few-day break from your kids? Oh, my God. So that's all I mean. I don't know if I'd be okay with my kids leaving my house. Yeah. So I would, like, I'd, okay, I'd be okay with someone living with us if I loved them enough, you know? Yeah. And I mean, Help us. it sounds like in this relationship, like, they're all very, very good friends, right? So, like, right. it could work for them. Like, they could live together. I mean, that's not their choice. That's not how they're doing it. But mm -hmm. um, obviously, people are going to do what's right for them and what works for their family structure. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I think I say I would love a break. Maybe just, like, one day would feel really nice <laughs> once a week. <laughs> Or so I would like, I mean, what Matt, what Matt always jokes about is like, get me getting a sister wife. Yeah. You know? Okay. I, I think that's, that is uh, exactly what this ends up kind of looking like. Yeah. It's like one more person in the household to help with everything. Right. Yeah. And then I think also the other point of this article is that, you know, people in the queer community that might not be able to have a traditional family, you know, quote unquote, traditional family mm -hmm. or even, um, like becoming involved with um, like a polyamorous relationship, but not being able mm -hmm. to formally adopt that child. Right. Those situations have ended really badly for some people in the queer community. Oh like, my God. I bet with a lot of heartbreak. Yeah. Or like if family members pass, parents pass away and there's no formal adoption process that's, that's, that is, has happened or is in the works that other family members who are judgmental often take the children away. So, um, they, it did make some interesting points about like he, David J, the guy who's featured in this article, he was saying, you know, like he was seeking out a same sex couple because that is, that makes the adoption process e easier for the three parent adoption process. And that in California and, and I think it was California and Maine, and there are a few other states that he mentioned, triad adoptions are, are more common and, and are not frowned upon. And then in some states, obviously that's not the case. So it was just something I had never even been exposed to do. So it was a really interesting article. I really appreciated it. And it was just eye-opening and, and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, agreed. I love non I love non-traditional things that work for people. Well, and I think too for a child, like you just have another adult who loves you a lot. Yeah. Awesome. And and then then your parents are less stressed too if you're sharing the load, you know? hundred percent. Okay. Well, mine. Oh God, where's the good one? No, no, mine's actually a really good one. Okay, so today, Rolling Stone for the first time in 17 years updated the top 500 greatest albums of all time Holy list. Shit! In 17, okay. what has Rolling Stone been doing for the past 17 years? So, well, it, first of all, this is not an easy task. Okay to vote. Okay. They, don't, they don't need to update it every year. That's yeah, but they need to, 17 seems too long. No, that seems like a good chunk of music to reevaluate. I think every five to seven seems reasonable. So much good music comes out in but every five to seven years. Mm, I don't know. Mm, well, you're tripping. Then, then it makes the list, then it makes the list a little bit more of a popularity contest instead of longevity. Listen, I don't think the woman who still has Hanson as their top band gets to fucking 
Excuse me, actually I do. <laughs> Middle of nowhere could be on this list. I just haven't found it yet. Oh, okay. okay. It's a very long list. Okay, so I'm gonna like do some like quizzing of you. Okay. So the top um, album used to be Sgt. Pepper Lonely Hearts Club. Okay, makes sense. Band. Mm-hmm. What is the do new? You, what do you think replaced it this year? I mean, I would. I can go a lot of different ways. I think that. Um, well, just go in the way whatever's quickest right now. Okay, this is so tough. I have two thoughts: either Nirvana, Nevermind, or Notorious. Nirvana, B. Nevermind is number six. Ooh, I would say like a, a Notorious B.I.G. or a Tupac album might be. Those are not in the top ten. Really? Oh wait, oh nope, they're not in the top ten. Okay, now now you have to tell. Uh, okay, so number one is now Marvin Gaye. What's going on? Great album. So that makes sense. Such a good album. God, that's a good album. Um which is very interesting because a lot of that album was about racial tensions, mm-hmm. police controversy, environment, 100%. like everything. Now, first of all, that was released in 1971. So almost 50 years later. Still dealing with the same bullshit. Exactly. Okay. Number two is Beach Boys Pet Sounds. Which is, a, I mean, I'm not the hugest Beach Boy fan, but Beach Boys fan, my dad was. That's actually a really good album. Yeah. Joni Mitchell Blue is number oh, three. Great album. Stevie Wonder Songs in the Key of Life is four. Uh, such a good album. The Beatles Abbey Road is five. Oh, where did Sgt. Pepper's go then? I don't know. Nirvana Nevermind is six. Right. Fleetwood Mac Rumors is number seven. I knew that had to be on there. Um, Prince Purple Rain is number oh, eight. That's a good, I, that would have been a good number one guess, actually. Prince yeah. has got some stellar ones in there. Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks is number nine. Ooh, and then number 10, this is my fave, Lauryn Hill, The mes- Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Such a good album. Such God, a good cool. fucking album. Brian so, and I have been, on a, have been on a, like, 70s, 80s oh. music kick. Yeah. So we were listening to the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. We we played Cashy Boo, um, TLC Creep. Loved it. That fool got <gasps> really. Oh yeah, we've been doing just like I mean, just such random shit. I. That's hysterical. It's been a good. It's like we've, you know, he listens to kid music a lot, but we like I never really. He calls. Yeah, my, we got to expose him to regular music. Yeah. Too. Well, he has to listen to my quote unquote work music. Oh, that's which is terrible. It's like you know a lot of EDM. I mean, it's not terrible. It's just not what I would like want him to grow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs to be more culture than that. Exactly. Okay, Kanye West makes it on number seventeen. I'm not. Which one? Graduation Day or? No, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. A very good album too. I don't know. I'm you know not really familiar. Just now give us the top twenty. Go number eleven. Let's go. Oh, you want to go through the whole top twenty? Okay, eleven is play at home. If you if you would like to guess, because Claire's gonna give you some the Beatles. Well, because it's you have to scroll through a lot. There's not like one list all in a row. It's like there's pictures and stuff. Beatles Revolver. Good album. 12 Michael Jackson Thriller amazing I'm album surprised that's not higher actually I thought that would be uh 13 Aretha Franklin I never loved a man the way I love you 
I don't know that album. I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, well-versed with Aretha, but she is very good, very good, talented singer, obviously. Um, well, Respect is on it. Okay. And um, Do Right Woman, Do Right Man. A Change is Gonna Come. So, okay. uh, thir okay, 14. The Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street. Not my favorite Rolling Stones album, but okay. Tumbling Dice is a song. 15, Public Enemy, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold mm -hmm. Us Back. Okay. 16, The Clash, London Calling. I didn't even think about any punk rock shit. That's not 17, Kanye. 18, mm -hmm. Bob Dylan, Highway 61 Revisited. So it's interesting. 19, Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly. Great. And then 20, Radiohead Kid A. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. I would think that might be somewhere higher too, but so also not my favorite. It's interesting um, because they said how the list has changed now mm -hmm. other than people moving around um is that they added 154 albums wow. so 154 are new so that means are like in the past 19 years right if they added a or 17 a years of new of the new a quarter of the albums are new in this list right because top 500 yeah okay uh Beyonce Lemon Lemonhead is Lemonade is on there. Lemonhead. <laughs> Lana Del Rey, Billie Eilish, Harry Styles, they're all on it. So all right. That was um, fun. Thank you. Thank you for yeah, that. Yeah, it's fun, right? I'd like to look at the whole list. The, the way that Rolling Stone does it, you have to click one through fifty and then fifty to hundred. Like I just uh -huh. want to see the list with just words, you know? You don't need you don't need the context behind it. You just want yeah. like the board top one hundred. <gasps> oh my god, Carol King tapestry. 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 I it's number twenty-five. Shh, that album is very good. I love it. I saw that musical beautiful and it made me just like so obsessed with Carol King. She's okay. such a sweet storyteller, honestly. She, she really is. So All right. I'll look. I'll I, I still need to see if Hanson made the list. I still don't know, you know. You know what? <laughs> I would I, I I would not be so so surprised to be honest with you, but well that album, I just want to say something. I took a class at UCLA called hey, the history. No, you're, of... you're not gonna use this time to, to, no, to fucking have Hanson. <laughs> I it took a class, History of Rock and Roll, at UCLA, and it was such a fun class, and we went through every decade, and we listened to music, and we talked about, like, you know, the social importance of them and stuff, and then our final paper was, who is an artist who was not included in the class that you think deserves to be included? Okay. And you know my ass wrote it on Hanson. Did you get comments I, back? I got a fucking B plus, which kind of stings. Um... <laughs> just for the choice. I wish, don't you wish you had access to your old papers? I wish I could read that paper now because especially like you have to think that was in the year probably 2002. So they hadn't even, like I could write a paper now. They have stood the test of time in terms of being, I mean, to be in the music industry for 23 years is amazing, you know? So I just know. got railroaded and you just got to use like three minutes of our show time to talk about Hanson. Oh, well also I want to invite you. Um, Hanson's doing virtual concerts. Okay. It's October. Okay. And you have to buy a ticket to live stream it, but I was going to invite you over to, we could get drunk and do a Hanson concert like we normally do. Can we put it on the screen? 
Uh huh. Is your projector? Yeah. So old. Yes. I'll be there. Consider yes. me. Perfect. Um, it'll be nice because we can get drunk and we don't really have to go anywhere. Yeah. And deal with crazy Hanson fans. You know, it's funny that you bring up college papers because when Brian and I first like reconnected, I don't know, we were, he was at his, we were at his parents' house because he would come home from Santa Cruz and like stay there. So we were like hanging out at his parents' house and he was going through like his old papers and he found like an old, like some college papers, like, you know, hard copy. This is when we uh-huh. were- Yeah. I thought, yep. I mean, that's really the only way you could come across those things. And of course, Brian's hoarder self and family kept those college papers. Oh my God. But I believe in one of them, he quoted God. <laughs> and God said, let there be light was his intro. Wait, how can you quote God? God. I think he was like Genesis verse. <laughs> oh my God. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, okay, advice this week. My best friend. Oh, hey, BB. My best friend and I both just graduated from college. I'm very lucky to still have my current job and am able to attend graduate school next year. But she's out on the job market and having quite a tough time ever since the COVID crisis began. She already had a lot of anxiety about getting a good job before the economic crash, but things have just compounded now that jobs are few and far between. Good jobs, I guess is what she's saying. I mean, I'm sure there are jobs out there. I've tried to help in every way that I can. I've proofread covered letters and offered mock job interviews or assistance with her resume, but every time I do, she just kind of shuts down and either doesn't respond to me or ignores what I have to say. In need of your expert advice. Okay, well, I think you know what I'm going to say. What? Go. Shut, huh? shut the fuck up. Who cares? She doesn't want your fucking advice, bitch. She, so, I'm sorry, but you happen to be able to keep your job and go to grad school and you've got it all fucking figured out. But we're in the middle of a global health pandemic. It's very difficult to get a job. She may be doing her best and she maybe doesn't need anything else from you. Have you ever thought that? Or that maybe, maybe you don't know what's best? Like, listen, you know what I mean? Like maybe she just needs to vent to someone and she doesn't want your help. You know, they say like I fix people's and, problems all the time. And well, it's women like, do it. I don't like to say that men and women. A lot of people do that. They do it because they want to feel helpful and offer advice. And it's hard to just sit with someone when they're feeling frustrated or disappointed or sad, you know, to just be there. I feel like I personally rarely am like trying to tell people what to do. Like, I'm always like, yeah, I got, I'll like take it on and listen to you like vent and bullshit. But like, I feel like that's not my personal MO to be like, Mm -hmm. let me read your resume and let me. Well, I'll tell you, I'm a combo because I'll be like, that fucking sucks. Do you want some help with da 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 da? Can I do something to help? Like I, cause I also, I like to help and I like to like problem solve, but if it's something you clearly have got handled on your own, I'll just be like, damn, that fucking sucks. You know, period. Yeah. Unless it's my MO, unless you're asking for my help, like explicitly, I'm not going to like put my, my, my opinion on it. You know what I mean? Well, don't you feel like, like we're literally in the middle of a global health pandemic like, don't we all have enough on our plates right now? Like, be there for your friend, listen. And, you know, her getting a job is not your responsibility. Like, well, it's just... A point, like, you, because you have a job that you got before all of this mess, and because you're going to grad school, which might be on Zoom, who knows what the fuck your grad school's mm-hmm. going to look like. Like, you really don't have it all figured out, bitch. Like, 
you you, you had a, a lucky set of circumstances happen to you. You're right. Confident. You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, maybe I shouldn't like poo this woman that much, but like part of it's probably like timing and part of it is obviously like the hard work that you put into it. I'm not saying getting into grad school is easy, but it's just shitty timing for your friend. That's it's not- really shitty timing. And so just let her let her vent and you're not her career coach and maybe a good thing to do to help like maybe a helpful thing this person could do would be like if you know the field that she wants to be in and you come across any job listings in that field send them her way but if she doesn't want to apply to them or she you know she's in control from that point yeah you can you can definitely help your friend out and be like i saw this cool job posting that's awesome but like you don't need to be your fucking her mommy either you know you don't yeah or her job coach yeah exactly yeah i don't maybe if you have extra money to throw around maybe you do need to like put her in touch with a real job professional like a job right like maybe that's how you can help your friend since you're like you know you got the job in your money bag central i know we have a lot of know-it-all writing huh yeah i just can't do you think people are going to stop asking for our advice well <laughs> it's possible. It's very possible at this point. Because I feel like the last couple of times we've kind of just like shit on people. <laughs> Ask us our advice. We're just gonna shit on you. So uh well, I don't know. I just think people need to stop thinking they know what's best for people, even though that's I I I uh, this is I'll just be honest here. No, listen, listen. I I'm gonna say something. Tell me. I think in 99% of situations, I do know what's best for somebody. I don't always express that opinion, okay? But I think I'm pretty insightful in terms of what's going on and things, and I can see situations. So, but I'm, but I'm not necessarily going to always tell you, you know? I also just feel like, no, like you don't yeah. know what's best for people. I people think I do. Know what's best for people. I think I do. I'm pretty sure I do. Hey guys, this is what I've been living with for like the past 20 years, 25 maybe. <laughs> this, this person, this friend. I should get an award. And look at, look at how well you've turned out. <laughs> All right, moving on. Okay, so this is a, our Ask Us Anything. This is a really good one. Okay, tell me. What opinion do you have that is controversial and goes against public, popular opinion? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them. Most of them. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Yeah, go ahead. I think uh, a belief I've had for a time, I'm talking like, I mean, this is probably early high school, maybe even late junior high, is that I believe that um, sex work should be legal. Okay, agreed. And drug use should be legalized. All drugs? Yeah. Heroin? I don't, yeah, I don't think you can, you can say this drug is legal and, and, and this one is not. And, and I think that you see that with alcohol and marijuana. I think if you're going to do it, you just say all drugs are legal. These are the parameters. Some drugs you might even have to be, you might even have to go to like a clinic to do, right? Like it has to be like very regimented, but I think that people are going to do drugs anyways. You see it with cocaine, for instance, a lot, right? Like how much money is going to drug cartels that are fucking murdering people that are causing Mm -hmm. so much strife in South America. When if that shit was legal, you could cultivate it. You could could cultivate it, process it, 
tax it and we'd make so much fucking money off of it. Right. So it's going to happen anyways. I don't understand why, just like with sex work, sex work is going to happen anyways. Why can't we just make it safe and legal? And women wouldn't have to have things like, you know, they could go in and get tested. People could go get tested before they see sex workers, right? Like, oh yeah. Well, and a lot of the problem is the violence against sex workers. You don't need a pimp. You don't need someone to protect you. You have a facility or uh, an an entity that would that would provide that stability, and you could be your own boss. Well, I like to use um, the Bunny Ranch in Vegas as a in Vegas in Nevada as a really good example. It used to be run by Dennis Hoff, but he died, and it had that TV show Cat House Diaries. But you still have to pay that guy. Okay, but listen. But I just want to tell you about the thing. The setup was so amazing and they, they paid half their money to him, but they got a room, they got food, they got clients walking in, they had safety protocols in place, they had cleaning protocols in place, like I everything. Mean, listen, taxes don't, even for the wealthiest bracket, don't get half their money fucking taken away. I mean, so to me, you're still getting fucking swindled. As a no, sex. but no, but you look at that half as your marketing money, your rent. P- businesses sometimes will pay half it and as overhead. That's, true. That's an overhead expense. Overhead. But yeah. but you could choose not to if you didn't want, but they got so much publicity that they had so many clientele. But what was great about it, it was like a family, it was like a company and where he was the boss and all this. And so the women there were very, at least what how it was portrayed on the show, were very happy. We're making a lot of money. We're making, we're making decisions about how, what they wanted to do, what they were comfortable with. They always felt safe. Like, Can you bring up a point here really quickly because you've just ran away with my um, answer. Uh, my point of this whole thing is that you have brought up the Bunny Ranch probably like 10 times on the show. <laughs> I love that TV show. I just want to point that out to everyone. If, if no one else has caught on to this. this okay. Well, maybe they'll watch it if they can find it somewhere because it's not on fucking HBO oh, anymore. HBO Max. I bet has it now. They have all their old shows. Mm. Not late night okay. stuff, I don't think. Oh, look, oh. right now I have HBO oh, Max. Go look. Um, I have okay. HBO Max too, via you. Thanks. Yeah, I see your name. Who's watching? Claire. Frank. Frank. I was like, God, I hope that's Fran. Or else someone named Frank is like watching my HBO reading my profiles, apparently. Um, but anyways, my 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 thought is like nope. Tax it. Really? We should write a strongly worded you should write a strongly worded letter. Online campaign. Tax it, make it safe, safer. Like I don't understand if it's gonna be done anyways. Agreed. Just make it safer, not just for our country, but for other countries too. Yeah, agreed. Scene. I'm with you. Okay, here's mine. I've also held this opinion for a very long time, and I don't care what you tell me about weather or satellites. I'm going to say this. I think going to space is such a fucking waste of money. And I think NASA is a fucking sham. And I think that we have somehow been brainwashed and thinking like it's a, like when they were going to the moon, it was like a race against Russia. Who's going to get there first? And it's like, other than weather satellites that have been able to have been placed in space, the amount of money that's spent on space. Okay. In 2020, guess, guess what NASA's budget was for 2020. Okay. Just give me for federal fund from federal funding was, this is the clue I need. Was it more or less than our military spending? 
Oh, less. Okay. Okay. So, but, okay. Wait, go. Say what you're going to say. I was just going to tell you the answer. Oh, okay. Tell me the answer. $22.6 billion. That's a B. Now this, and that's in one year. So think about how long our space program has been going on. 67 years. I don't know how long. So if you added it all up, well, the amount of uh, oh, wait, that that's doing, you should know this. It's inception. The United States has spent nearly $650 billion. Okay. Now to me, this seems very frivolous when we have children and adults who are not eating. We have people in our world dying from preventable diseases. And now this is just the United States cost. This is not worldwide. So I can only imagine how obscene the world number is on space, especially because I think we're all kind of working separately on it. So it's probably not efficient probably. the way we're spending money. Um, so I just think like, there, there's so much better that we could have spent this $650 billion on that it seems like, um, uh, it seems like luxury spending to me. Do you know what I mean? I see your point. I really and truly do. But don't you think this ultimate exploration of the unknown is like essentially a human quality like that's what okay that's do. fine but first let's have everyone having food and access to safe water and shelter first like you've got to meet the bare minimums for our nation before you look outside of it I that's agree what you. i'm saying i agree with you oh so, and there's really nothing anyone could say to <laughs> I could spend that $650 billion. I've never heard you say this before. This is weird that I don't know this about you. No, I believed it for a very long time. And I also feel well, like... Only I Erica also, over here, she agrees. That moon race was a sham. No. <laughs> I'm not getting into that um, controversy, but I also think, like, we've all really been brain... Like, I just don't think, like, going to space is that cool. Like, everyone's like, I want to be an astronaut when I grow up. Like... It just doesn't do anything for me. I'm just like, meh. Yeah, that's, not your, that's, that's not your love, but like, I've, like, Cashel loves space. Like, he's so intrigued oh. by it. And so I think it just, it depends on... Um, I'm just not into that fantasy bullshit. Interest, I'm not, your interest in your priorities. Yeah. I just want people to be fed and taken care of, you know? And my kid just wants to, like, frivolous, frivolously spend and be an astronaut and, like... Yeah. Wallow. Hello, tell him to get his priorities in order. It's your white male privilege in order, Cashel, uh -huh. you shit. And seriously, tell me that NASA is not full of, of a bunch of white people, okay? 100%. Duh. Okay. Isn't that like our whole country? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about things we like this week. I'm really torn. I was torn just, between, and I have two things. Just pick one, dude. I know. I'm going to pick the Oboe Sangria. If you've not had it, they're doing, like a lot of restaurants are doing, cocktails to go. But what makes the Oboe Sangria, or just their cocktails to go in general, so awesome is yeah. that you, you know Claire and I both like a, a very sweet container situation. And Claire would willingly or push me to steal such items for her. <laughs> True. You don't have to steal this. They give you the coolest bottle to put your cocktails in. The way that they send you out with your cocktails, you have all the, I mean, it's just so sweet and perfect. And there, I feel like Oboe has done the to-go cocktail game right. And their sangria is the best sangria I think I've, I've tried ever. It's not too sweet. I have to tell you, I've never tried it. What? I always, I'll bring it over. 
I always drink their blood orange margarita. It's very good also, but their sangria is really, really good. When we, a couple weeks back, I said the, it was my rose. We did like a park cocktails and one of my friends that came, Jess, brought the oboe sangria and I'd never had it. And I'm like, what is this cute bottle? I thought she like made it herself. Like it looks very yeah, like- Yeah, isn't it a cute little bottle? So fucking cute. And she's like, no, this is the oboe sangria. So if you're looking to bring like a special cocktail to your outdoor meetup with your friends- mm-hmm. I highly recommend the Obo Sangria. It is the shit. Agreed. And in that container I found, because Marsha brought the margaritas to my house for a pool night, and we got like five margaritas out of it. Oh, I no, feel we like. got a good Yeah, amount. we got a good chunk. And they it's give you like the, they give you the little uh, stuff to dress your cocktails. What do you call that? You know what I'm saying? Garnish. Garnish. Yes, exactly. I believe my brain retrieved that. But if it has Yeah, to- good job. That's has to do with alcohol. It's right here. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What about you? Okay. So I have to tell you, you guys know I watch a lot of TV and my TV, um, my TV tastes run the gamut, you know? Really do. You have, you are, uh, it's like, it's very wide, widespread. It's very widespread. Yes. But something I've always been interested in since, um, intervention, started and true life too um is addiction and so this is a new it's a four-part documentary documentary series mtv made it it's called 16 and recovering now let me tell you it's one of the best documentaries i've ever seen it it um it shows these students who attend this high school called recovery high school Okay. And it's in Beverly, Massachusetts, which is right outside of Boston. Okay. And it's uh, the principal, principal and founder of this founded this high school for kids who need recovery and so who struggle with addiction. So is it like a, a school slash recovery center then? Is it it, both? So it's not an actual recovery center. It's a school that supports recovery. So mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, all of the teachers are former addicts and in active recovery themselves, including the principal. Um, she, the principal, you just want, you just see like how powerful like an educator can be and how she interacts with all the students and how much they respect and love her. Um, and it follows a couple, there's four parts and it co- follows a couple kids each time, but you kind of see the same kids throughout because it's not a big high school. And um, private or public? Public. Wow. Okay. Um, and most of the kids in it are not well off. You know, one kid isn't. One of the kids I really like, Johnny. He was in foster care, and during the recording, uh, he aged out of foster care and had to find a place to live. Which, thank God, that uh, California has um, made foster care to 21 and now they've extended it to 25 because I just don't think an eight, how is an 18 year old with no support supposed to support themselves and get, and have a good start for life? It's archaic. It's, it's like, so it just doesn't even, it doesn't make not sense. the world we live in anymore. That's yeah. Not, so he's like in high school and like getting booted out of his foster home. It just doesn't make sense. So 
Um, it followed one of the girls was pregnant. One of them. So most of them come from, I'd say lower middle class families. One girl came from, she had a really good family. She had a great life. She was a cheerleader. She was on varsity soccer and she was like, I'm the perfect example. Like addiction can affect anyone, you know, like she had like a picture perfect life. Was it Um, various different things? Like, was it like different substances for these most of them uh most of them were drug i mean alcohol and drugs um different ones but a lot of them would use anything really um and what's really interesting is they had it she has this theory where not theory they're um i don't know i don't know school words but like their discipline (laughs) they're like discipline philosophy like they do random drug tests but you don't have any negative consequences when you get a random drug test. It's really because they need to know what's going on with you and try to support you. So you don't get kicked out of school. You don't this, sometimes you won't even tell your parents. Um, Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And so you really see like the teachers making great connections with the kids and um, you see like all the struggles and um, you know, her belief is really that addiction, you know, if we can, you know, try to help, addicts when they're young and get them on course now that we can avoid a lot of pain and death and you know I I think it really makes sense to me like when you see the series it really makes sense I find it at least I mean I as working in someone in public education I'm shocked that this is a public school I'm shocked that like the the public school system in you know Massachusetts is like okay we're going to create this alternative school like it's just To me, public schools, people are so afraid of alternative ed in public schools, in the public school systems, so frowned upon still. And it's like, alternative ed is needed, clearly. Yeah, clearly. And not just this case, in so many different cases. So to me, it's more impressive that, really impressive to see a state getting on board and making this a public education priority Mm because it's needed. So that's really awesome. It's really cool. So, um, I would really, really, really recommend everyone watch MTV. it. Is it? I via, know. Is it via MTV True Life Ilk? Like, is that what? Uh, what? Uh, who created it? Is it no. like MTV True Life? No, I'm sure they brought bought it from a company. Bought it from a production company. I would have liked it a lot more if it would have been <laughs> MTV True Life created. I know. I love some MTV True Life. Let me tell you. You know, just but, okay. I'll watch. I'm game. Watch it. Let's talk about Hater this week. Let's. Today, um, the ruling from the grand jury in Louisville came out for the officers who murdered Breonna Taylor. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what side of this everyone who listens to our show is on, but unsurprising to me because... But you don't know what side people who listen to us I think people. I think other people would get so fucking annoyed with us that they would stop listening. Um, unsurprisingly to me, the, the officers who murdered her, two of them were not charged, and one that did receive a charge, he got wanton endangerment. Uh, let me make sure that I said that right. Yep, wanton endangerment, which is a misdemeanor. And why, um, his name is Brett Hankison, why he was charged with, wanton endangerment was because he fired into a sliding glass patio door of Breonna Taylor's apartment and her window 
and the blinds were drawn. So he was just shooting without knowing where the fuck he was shooting into her apartment. And his bullets pierced the walls and went into her neighbor's apartment where there was a couple, a pregnant woman and their five-year-old child asleep. So the only reason why that motherfucker got charged with anything was because he didn't have a line of sight with what he was shooting at, which you would think that police training would be like, you should be able to see what you're shooting at. Like, who, you know, like, do we just think we're in like a fucking video game and we get to come in and just like fucking shoot them up? Is that right? It seems like a very impulsive and not disciplined or trained approach to a situation. No joke. Like I picture this guy just being like a fucking 13 year old boy playing some fucking army game. Like yeah. that's, that's what that reeks of to me. Like, yeah. I don't get And I don't, not caring who, who his bullets are going to hit. A hundred percent. So my hater this week is um, the grand jury in its entirety in Louisville who came up with this bullshit of a fucking ruling. Yeah. And they can all go suck one million fucking bags of dicks. They're terrible. And I feel awful for Breonna Taylor and her family and for the state of this fucking country where police officers have no consequences. And I hate to end our episode this way, but that's just the way it is these days. Agreed. So on that note, fuck the police. Sayonara. Have a good week. Have a good week. (laughs) Listen up.